You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right. Can you guys hear me? All right. Well, it's good to be here with you guys. My name is uh, Daniel Kim, and I have the uh, awesome privilege to uh, knock over this microphone. (laughs) I have the awesome privilege to uh, lead our singles ministry here with uh, Betty Collins. And uh, I love the singles ministry. A lot of my friends are here, and I see all of them kind of scattered. We're not sitting together, but it's okay. Uh, But, you know, I love, it's good to be here with you guys. I love this new theater, uh, the smaller one. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's much warmer in here than the uh, big one. Uh, I love how there's like body heat. I actually prefer if there's two people sitting next to me. Uh, the movie theaters, I like to be by myself, but you know, I like the space here. Um, but you know, I just wanted to actually lift up our First Impressions team here. I, I see them every morning early. They're waving. You know, last week it was raining. If it was snowing here, I'm sure they'll still be out there. And I uh, appreciate you guys so much, uh, as well as our sound team, our worship team. I mean, they get up every single Sunday, every morning to do this. And I only wake up early on Sunday mornings when I have to preach so I can like review and have my quiet time, that kind of stuff. I like a little bit, that's my day to kind of sleep in a little bit. So it calls me higher that they do it every single Sunday. And uh, I really appreciate that. Let's give them a hand. So this Friday we actually had uh, a Sisters Encouragement Night for the uh, sisters in our ministry here in South Bay. And uh, it was a lot, I hope, did you guys have fun sisters? So the brothers had a lot of fun. I appreciate, where's the, I have a picture here. There we are. So those are the mighty men of God that we had that uh, stepped up and uh, put all our creativity in a bowl. And we, uh, uh, it was raining that day. I'm glad the brothers remember to bring umbrellas. And uh, we actually took the cars of the girls and took their keys and escorted them. And uh, we took them and made sure they weren't wet. We took them to a little red carpet. It wasn't really a red carpet. It was like a red cover, and uh, we couldn't afford that. Uh, and then we went in and had an awesome time. We had uh, poetry, we had singing, we've had a video montage, uh, we had some food, gave out roses, that kind of stuff. But really, I don't say that to lift up the brothers, even though I do. I really want to just say we really respect the sisters. Uh, we really expect, uh, appreciate what you guys stand for, how you guys stand for purity, you guys stand for righteousness at work. And we just a little thing that we want to do to just honor you guys. So we hope you guys were encouraged. Uh, speaking of sisters, I wanted to uh, just lift up my uh, other sister, my, not my sister, but my fiance and uh, my sister in Christ. And uh, that'd be kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, my sister in Christ, Narice, uh I appreciate her. Our wedding plans are, are we're almost there. Uh, Steve asked me how many days until I get married. Forty-two. And I know that because we have a website. I'm not counting the days. I am excited, but on the website, it tells you on the knot how many days you have coming. It's only 42 days, and it flies. Uh, but I really want to lift up my, uh, my uh, fiance here. She's been so, so patient with me, and uh, she's been such a trooper because there's so many things to plan. Uh, I personally don't mind planning. Norris doesn't really like to plan, but she's been a trooper. And uh, for you guys that have been married, I respect you guys, especially if you guys had a wedding. Um, it's exciting. The proposal was exciting, and after all that, it was just like, man, it's a lot of work. And uh, I don't mind planning for certain things because I can do it, and then it's done, right? You can plan for something, and then it's done. 
With wedding planning, you plan for one thing, it's done, there's something else. And there's something else. And there's something else. And so it's just been nonstop. And so, um, but I really encourage her patience and her love. So, babe, I want to say I love you and I appreciate you. And uh, we actually got our apartment yesterday. Uh, obviously, we're not moving until the day we get married. I'll be moving in a month earlier. Um, but uh, it's just exciting. That's the fun part. I mean, the wedding, the, the getting the place was the easiest thing to get. <laughs> I mean, the photography, the venue, the food, all of that, all the invites, that took a lot of time. Uh, but we joke around because people always ask us questions anyways. And before uh, I got engaged and I was dating, people would always ask me what? Dude, when are you going to ask? When are you going to ask her to be your wife? And when we go to weddings, it was over. And so we would compare notes and see who got asked the most. And they'd obviously ask me the most because I had to pull the trigger. And so now, instead of asking me, you know, when are you going to propose? It's, dude, how's your wedding going? How's the wedding plan going? And so we compare notes. Sometimes we have 45 on a Sunday service. Sometimes we have 20. And it's crazy. So we get a lot of the same questions. But the point of all that is I don't mind because I really feel like we feel your love. And you know, we feel like we have a church that really asks us questions. And uh, we have people in this room that we have too many to name that really help us and uh, take the time to mentor us. Or we have friends that step, us, step up and help us. Uh, so we're very grateful to have a church like that. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get jump right into it. Uh, we are obviously having our sermon series. Oh, before I do, I got some more pictures. Just kidding. Uh, there's a picture of our sisters there, our lovely sisters. It's kind of hard to see, huh? If you guys want to dim the lights a little bit. But anyhow, uh, yes, these are pictures of our sisters, but these are the first ones I found on Facebook. So it's the Ashika show. She takes selfies with everybody. So Ashika, you made all the photos, all right, because I pulled it from your Facebook page. There she is. She's very loved by many. And uh, guess what? There's some more with her. And uh, I pulled them all from her page. And she looks great in each photo. And so does the other sisters. <laughs> but uh, just jumping right into it, our series, let me put a, go ahead and put a timer here. Actually, there's a timer up there. OK, great. Um, our sermon series is called The Verse After the First. And uh, obviously, we took the most famous, most popular passages in the Bible, the one verse, and everyone knows these verses, but we're going to actually elaborate on them. So we talked about uh, Philippians, I can do all things that in Christ that can strengthen me. The, uh, Dustin Peckman did that last week. We did Psalms chapter 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And today, we're probably going to do probably one of the most popular scriptures here in the Bible. You guys all know John chapter 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. So we all know this passage. Um, it's on T-shirts. It's in Instagram. Uh, it's at football games. Uh, it's everywhere. It's probably the most uh, quoted scripture in the Bible. And I'm not sure if you guys know this guy. You guys know him? The brothers might. Some of the sisters might. His name is Tim Tebow. He's a retired football player, uh, not purposely uh, retired. He just didn't get signed. But this is him in college, and he won a championship game, and he wore John 3.16 on his face. And you guys know what happened at that championship game? 92 million lookups on the Bible app popped up for John 3.16. 92 million in one game, in one championship game. And so I say that is because this is the most talked about scripture. Everyone hears it. But really, how many think of those 92 people 
92 million people went back and checked the context. Would you say more or less? less. Probably less, right? I'll put my money on a lot less. And, uh, and it, we do that because it's easier. You know, people don't want to do all the work. We just want the scripture right away. We want whatever the main passage is. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, on the surface, one of the reasons John 3.16 has become so popular is that it represents a simple summary of Christianity, doesn't it? Yeah. All the verbs in that passage is true. Let's look at it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. All that is true, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. That's the God we serve. He gave up his only son so that we have a relationship with him. Amen. Um, and that's the message of the gospel. It's a great thing. But when we try to understand a verse, it's hard to just understand the verse when we just look at one picture, one verse. And so it's important to first understand the background for that verse, including the context. Uh, reading one scripture just doesn't do it justice. Uh, when you read it, uh, generally, Father, uh, God, thank you so much uh, for this day. Uh, it's so we're so lucky to just... Uh, live here in California. God, I just came from a work conference in Chicago this week, uh, and it was snowing. God, uh, I know we can just sometimes complain, or like it's raining, or it's cold, God, but we are so blessed. The fact that we are your chosen people, that we're disciples, and that we live here, and uh, we're so blessed. Thank you so much for all the relationships in here. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the facility uh, that we can worship in. God, I pray that you could uh, just take me out of the way, uh, that, that you can be uh, preached and that you can speak to our hearts. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So we're going to go jump right into it here. If you guys can turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. I did put it on there, but if you guys want to follow on your, your Bible app, that's cool too. So before we go, my first point today is going to be let go of what you know. Uh, in order to follow Jesus, you're going to have to let go of what you know. And I'll explain what that means a little bit later. So in John chapter 3, verse 1 through 15, it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and what we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of, of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? And so we're going to stop right there, um, and we're going to continue on the passage after that. Um, and so it talks about Nicodemus. Let's go back. And basically, Nicodemus was a Jewish ruling, uh, re uh, religious leader, excuse me. And he was part of a group called the Pharisees. You guys heard of them, right? 
And basically the Pharisees there, the, the religious leaders at the time, and um, they knew the law very well. They knew it so well that uh, people respected them. And so you might say, well, you know, that's a good thing, DK. Like, they're, they're respected, yes, but on the inside, as you guys know, you know, they, they were not really what they reflected on the outside. What do I mean? Uh, they seem to be good on the outside, but they become proud in their hearts because they knew so much about God's law that they made up all these rules, right? They made up rules, and instead of following God's heart, it became more about the rules. And because it became more about the rules, they held people to the rules and not so much of the God's uh, uh, heart. And so these Pharisees back then were powerful, wealthy, wealthy men back in the day knowledgeable about the Bible, respect it, and they didn't want to lose that. So I just wanted to kind of give you guys some background information, and so we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, Nicodemus, what time did he come to uh, Jesus? At night. at night. So why did he come at night? So this is up for debate. Uh, I had my preconceived notions before doing this study, but I read a lot of commentary and did a lot of research. Um, but commentators have invested a lot of time trying to speculate why he came to Jesus at night. Some say he wanted Jesus' undivided attention. Is that anyone's pet peeve here? I know for me it is. I hate when I'm talking to someone and they're like looking over their shoulder. Say, hey man, are you talking to me or are you looking that way? So Nicodemus wanted Jesus' undivided attention, one commenter said. So he came to Jesus. His questions were so heavy, maybe they required unbroken concentration and free of inter inter uh, inter interruption. Other scholars speculate that Nicodemus was concerned for his reputation. He was embarrassed to be seen, so he came at night. And, uh, and how can he be seen with this unpopular prophet? After all, Nicodemus belonged to the Sanhedrin, and that was the holiest of ho uh, holy, like this group of Pharisees. And if he like, was together seen with this crazy carpenter, what would that do to his reputation? So he was fearful, they say. And then still others say that Nicodemus came at night because the teachings of Jesus had so rocked his world that he couldn't sleep. He heard that Jesus was doing miracles. He heard about all this news about Jesus, and he just couldn't go to sleep. So he was looking for some peace and for some answers. The truth is, we don't really know. The Bible does not, it's not very clear why he came at night, but we do know that he came. And when he showed up, what did Jesus do? He welcomed the conversation, amen? So my point number one is let go of what you know. Let go of what you know. Let's go back to that verse 2. Notice Nicodemus begins a conversation first class. In verse 2 he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So what does he call him? Rabbi, which means teacher, right? It means teacher. You know, this one word communicates volumes. Just that one word. Why? Who was Nicodemus? Wasn't he a teacher also? He was a great teacher. So for the fact that a great teacher called another man rabbi was huge. Just that one word. You know, this is a, a guy who had a PhD in the Bible, Nicodemus. He, if back in the days, they didn't have those kind of things, but he would nowadays. He was super smart, super knowledgeable, knew everything about the Bible, and he calls this man Jesus, uh, teacher. In this situation, Nicodemus became the student. Nicodemus had to let go of what he knew if he wanted to follow Jesus. Here's this accomplished, well-respected, seasoned teacher, and Jesus had a way to what? Break him down. Amen. And we're going to continue. We're going to keep going here. Um, and then it says in verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, 
No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered very truly, I'll tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to flesh, uh, excuse me, to the spirit. You know, Jesus was giving out pearls of wisdom here. And Nicodemus, what, he completely misses it. How is that possible? I thought this guy was like the PhD man in the Bible. I thought he was super knowledgeable. How did he miss it? So it shows you that even the greatest of scholars, theologians, uh, professors, can miss the mark if you're not careful. When Jesus was talking about being born again, it was about starting over. Nicodemus was saying, oh, how can I go back to my mom's womb? Like, that's weird in the first place. I don't even know how you thought that. But just, <laughs> how do I reverse birth myself? That's what he was thinking. Like, how can I go back to my uh, mother's womb, Jesus? How is that possible? And then Jesus, hey, kind of corrected him, says, what? You should be not surprised at my saying. You must be born again. And he goes, you're Israel's great teacher, and you do not understand these things. You know, Nicodemus was fearful of this new truth that Jesus was revealing. His knowledge and pride blinded him from seeing the truth. He started off well, right? He humbled himself. He became the student. He asked. But when Jesus spoke the truth, he missed it. And guys, my point is, even though Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Jesus is really talking to us. He's really talking to us. You know, to become a Christ follower, you have to let go of what you know. You know, at the foot of the cross, it doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter what education you have, who you know, what cars you drive. At the foot of the cross, everything is leveled. It does not matter, just like Nicodemus, right? So Nicodemus was seeking out the truth in his own way, not Jesus' way, right? He was seeking out what was comfortable for him. But the road to heaven is not comfortable or convenient. It's going to be uncomfortable and difficult at times. But in reality, I say that, but we can be like Nicodemus, can't we? When we're faced with an uncomfortable truth, what do we do? We revert back to what we know, right? Head knowledge sometimes can be scary. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes the more you know, the worse it is. The more we know, the more we fall into the trap of being prideful and not teachable. You know, I work, my company's called Hospice MD. Uh, I'm one of the regional managers there, and I go and I meet our clients who are, uh, that take care of hospice patients, so they're nurses and doctors. I go in there sometimes just to say hello and meet and greet them, and uh, their owners will always come to me and say, hey, Daniel, do you know any nurses we can hire? And I ask them, like, why do you guys want to hire nurses? You guys have like 12. And they tell me, you know what? Our nurses are terrible. They don't chart on time. They don't do their work. Uh, they do everything late and expect to get paid. And these nurses have been around for decades. Terrible. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't have connections like that, so I can't help you, miss. Uh, but I, I just listen. I go to another client, and it's the completely different. Their, their hospice is managed well. All the nurses turn their things on time. They get everything done. There is no problems of that kind. So what's my point here? It's not really what the old and new. It doesn't matter how old you are. But the nurses that were hired at the, the second place were, just got out of college were more humble. They didn't have as much experience. They didn't know as much. So guess what? They were more coachable and teachable. So this is, well, my point is, I'm not saying that, well, the older you are or the more experienced you are, you can't follow Jesus. I'm just saying it's, it's even harder, like Nicodemus. It was much harder. Um, and it just goes to show you that sometimes the more you know, 
the more you're going to have to let go of. Amen? So right now, we're going to go ahead and have some fun. We're going to take a fun quiz about some popular head knowledge and beliefs today. You guys ready? I'm going to see how you guys do. It's true and false, okay? Have you guys ever heard that a penny dropped from the Empire State Building can kill you? Who's heard that? All right, so did I. Is this true or false? What do you guys say? Who says it's true? Raise your hand. I got some truths. Okay, who got some? Who says false? Wow, okay. All right, so it's kind of half and half here. The answer is wrong. It's false. That is not true. It is not true. It's too small. The coin is too small, flat, and has a low velocity, and it's cushioned by the air. It won't even reach the ground. It might fly away. Yeah, but a pen would. If you drop a pen on a right angle, it could be... It can damage you because it depends on the, the velocity. All right, so not bad. We've got some more coming. Lightning never strikes the same place twice. What do you guys think? True or false? Okay, so who says false? <laughs> don't let me, don't make, don't make, Mickey, uh, make you guys second guess here. Who says true? Okay, we got less there. <laughs> the answer is it's wrong, it's false. In fact, the lightning strikes often in the similar area. Maybe not exactly, but a lot of times. So it's very dangerous. you got to be careful. That's a myth. During the summer, the Eiffel Tower is actually taller. You guys never heard of that one? Who says it's true? Who says it's false? Wow, it's 50-50 all the way at all these questions. The answer is... True. A lot of the engineers probably know this. And so let me show you. You probably really can't. Oh, yes, you can. So there's the towers during the wintertime and in the summer. I think it's like 36 meter difference. So it's enough. It's not substantial. And uh, bridges are the same thing. And basically the answer is, because I don't know it by heart, uh, but if you have a rod, it can be made of metal, plastic, or wood. The length of your rod changes in proportion to the environment temperature called thermal expansion. So it expands by the heat. And so that's why bridges, they would fall apart, but they have something in the middle that kind of joins the bridge. And so it allows flexibility, right? So if you guys are engineers, you guys probably know that. But that one's actually true. Let's do some more. Mosquitoes prefer people with sweet blood. <laughs> Mosquitoes prefer people with sweet blood. Who says it's true? <laughs> Who says it's false? Wow, 50-50 all the way. It seems like it. And the answer is wrong. They don't care how sweet your blood tastes. They just want blood. They care about your scent, how, how it smells, and uh, if your uh, skin is sticky or smooth. And uh, women tend to have smoother skin, and, and so they kind of eat women a lot more. Um, but it doesn't matter. And that, obviously, the smell that it gives off is all nutrition and hygiene, right? I mean, sorry, genetics and hygiene. And so um, that's what happens with that. We got a couple more here. Dogs' mouths are cleaner than our mouths. Come on, dog owners, what do you guys think? Okay, so who says it's true? Who says it's false? I have not got a majority win so far. It's like split 50-50. Okay, the answer is it's wrong. Dogs lick everything. You know what they lick? They lick everything. So their, their mouths are not cleaner. That is a, a made-up myth that somebody, but you know, we believe it. We got a couple more. I think we got two more left. Bats are blind. Bats are blind. Who says it's true? Who says it's false? 50-50. The answer is wrong. 
They actually have better eyesight than us at night. They see even black and white. But just picture this. Imagine you're in the dark and you don't have a lot of light. Can you see any colors in your bedroom? No, no it's the same thing for bats. So in the, blind, in the daytime, they're blind. So they can actually see better than us at night. It's not just sonar, right? That's another one. Uh, the five second rule. The five second, you guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? The five second rule. Five. And some people's five seconds are faster and some are slow. If you're really hungry, you might go really slow, right? What about this? Who says it's true? <laughs> Who says it's false? Ooh, that's close. You guys are really down the middle. This is a, this is a really well-balanced church, I would say that. It's very balanced in the way you guys think. You guys got both sides. The answer is false. The answer is false. Um, you know, it happens to every one of us, right? You put your favorite, I don't know, spread on a, on, on a sandwich, and just as you're about to take a bite, what happens? It falls over in slow motion. You try to catch it, and then you see the side that has the stuff on it, and then the blank side, it falls on the wrong side. You look at it, five, four, three, two, one, I made it. That's what you might say. But really, I, you know, I do it sometimes, but it depends on what it is. But um, if it's like a chip, I might, I don't know, it depends. Uh, if it's like steak, I have to think about it. If it's bacon, I have to think about it too. But, but it really matters, uh, uh, obviously they say it's after like 10 seconds, it's already at a, a bad uh, threshold, but it depends on the type of surface. So if you did it maybe in the kitchen, it might be okay, but it's not even, it's not uh, encouraged. But if you're in a public place, it's even worse. Five second rule is not, it might even be a one second rule. So it's, it's really bad. And so what's the point of what I'm trying to say? Why did I show you all these silly like myths? Because some of you guys, obviously, half of you guys believe the myth and half of you guys didn't. But these are all things that we were told when we were growing up. These are just all head knowledge. These are things that we think about, we were told, and we really don't know the answer um, sometimes. Um, and so what's my point? I showed you guys these, these myths were debunked because if people don't let go a popular opinion, and what they know, then they're going to miss out on what's real. You know, these are silly things, but let's talk about some serious stuff that science has proven. What about, you guys ever heard that the earth was flat? Everybody believed that. We, we know now that's not true. Everybody thought uh, the world, everything revolved around the world, but that's not true, right? Who, did, who discovered that? Copernicus. He discovered that everything revolved around the sun. So my point is, if you go by popular demand, you're not going to ever find out the truth. In the same way, if we're not careful, what we know or believe can hinder you from what you can become. You have to be able to let go of everything to follow, truly follow Jesus, especially your knowledge, especially your fear, especially your pride. Whatever it is, you have to let all that go. And so I have a quick application for you guys. You know, we all struggle with it. Pride, fear, head knowledge, whatever. You fill in the blank. You know, I want you guys to journal down some specific ways how your head knowledge, your pride, your experience, maybe some fears, can make you miss Jesus' heart. All right? We all struggle with it. So what are some specific things for you? And write them out. Journal them out. And it might change over the years. Maybe you struggle with this, but now you guys are having a hard time with this. But all of that has to go if you're going to really follow Jesus. You can't hold on to anything and then fall the cross. Okay, and then after that, pray to God that he can help you. Pray. 
Pray that God could help you grow in these areas. Amen. Point number two is step into the light. Step into the light. So we're going to go back and pick up on our passage in John chapter 3, verse 19. I'm sorry, we're going to actually go to verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16 to 21, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in in him is not condemned, for whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And here's the verse after the verse. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, I I love this passage of it because it's the verse after the verse, and this part is really powerful to me. You know, John was, John was explaining why some believe and others don't. And what does he say? People that don't go into the light love the darkness. They don't want to be exposed. He explained that Jesus is the light that come into the world, but people love darkness, so they want to carry on their evil ways. And their desire for things that are wrong are stopping them from coming into the light. You know, back in those days, uh, religious leaders like Nicodemus, he knew what Jesus was doing, but it wasn't the way they expected, Right? It shook their worlds, what Jesus did. It was challenging to them. It was a threat to their lifestyle. They were rich, they were uh, knowledgeable, they were well-respected. And when Jesus came, it shook the whole world. The Pharisees were threatened. But the the thing is, isn't that how God actually operates? Isn't it completely different than the way we think? Isn't it different than the way we operate? You know, our human nature is to what? Put our best foot forward all the time. Who wants to be viewed as someone that's good? All of us. Who wants to put their bad foot forward? You know, our human nature is always to put our best foot forward all the time. You want to look good. And our nature is sometimes to people please. And what I mean by that is you want to please someone else. You might, not, you might go around the truth just to do that. So, guys, I want to show you this powerful video that shows you exactly what I mean. So let's watch that.
All right. So uh, that video, it's uh, pretty deep, right? There's some funny parts, right? That guy who drank some uh, juice and he says, oh, I'm on my healthy track, and then he threw it away <laughs> after he got the Instagram. And then you got people that wanted to have fun because everyone else is having fun, so I want to be cool too. I don't want to be home by myself. But in reality, they were home by themselves. And then we saw some serious stuff. We saw a couple fighting, uh, getting into an argument, um, and then she took a hashtag picture uh, and said, hashtag, uh, what did she say? Relationship goals. Relationship goals. But really? That, you want to have those kind of relationship goals? And so, you know, we always want to put our best foot forward. You know, some of it's funny, some of it's not, some of it's deep. But we always want to do that. And like I said, it's our nature to people please. And we want to do things on our watch. We want to hide in the darkness. And we want to protect ourselves. We want to be in control because we want to feel safe. And when others see the real us, we feel like they won't accept us. So that's why we want to hide in the darkness. You know, but the thing is, the way to heaven is through humility. The way to heaven is through suffering. It's about stepping into the light. You know, Jesus isn't concerned about how we look. You know, man looks at the outer appearance, but Jesus says, God looks at the heart. You know, but if you want to follow Jesus and come into the light, we have to repent. You know, repentance means metanoia. It means mind change. It doesn't mean just stopping what you're doing, but it means pursuing the light. So coming from darkness, but I'm going to turn and go towards God. Amen? So how are you doing this area? How are you being open about your life? You know, how are you doing at home with your family, your, you know, your, your wife, your husband, your kids, your job? Are you stepping into the light at all times? Are we stepping into the light? You know, before we talk about it any further, I want to give you guys some benefits of stepping into the light. When you come into the light, it's not like you're going to find condemnation. It's not like you're going to go into the light and Jesus is going to say, I can't believe that's who you are. Once we repent, God's going to relent his wrath. You know, his plan for us to be, is all to be saved, amen? amen? But instead, you'll find God's love for us, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. But the only problem is you have to go, what, to the light. Yeah. If you don't go to the light and stay in darkness, you're not going to have that hope. You're not going to have that mercy. You know, and Satan could keep us from getting into the light sometimes. Um, and I love this verse in verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, I say this for the disciples. You know, as disciples, if we're not careful, we can fall into the temptation of forgetting to continue to live in the light. To be in the truth. Staying in the light requires us to be honest about ourselves and really be transparent. You know, there's a difference. You guys know there's a difference between being honest and being transparent? Being honest is telling the truth, but it's your version of the truth. Or some of the truth. You know, but sometimes we can always figure out a way to bend the truth. You guys ever hear about two people arguing? They're both truthful in their own way, right? Yeah. But it's from their perspective. Wow. Transparency is sharing all of the facts. Okay? Yeah. It's all the information about yourself. Letting someone else see you for who you really are. Yeah. And not who you want to reveal. You know, I want you guys to think to yourself about these, these questions. You don't have to answer them out loud. When was the last time I did something radical? When was the last time I got open about something so deep, so dark, that I didn't want to share it? Maybe it's physical sin, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's how you're doing spiritually, or how you're even doing emotionally. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll just share here, um, a couple of months ago, um, as you guys know, I'm getting married next month. A couple of months ago, I got a Facebook message, 
And uh, somebody messaged me saying, hey, are you Daniel Kim? And are you from San Francisco? I said, I, I am. And they said, okay, do you know these people? And I'm like, yeah, those are my parents. And then they, they asked, do you know they're alive? And I'm like, well, my dad is. Uh, he lives in San Francisco. Uh, but I haven't seen my mom since I was the age of eight. And as you guys know, I've shared it plenty of times, but I grew up in foster care, and uh, my mom abandoned my family when I was younger. And part of the reason why I went to foster care was that. And uh, she basically told me she was my sister, my half-sister, from my mom's side. And so when my mom abandoned my family, uh, she had this kid. And, and she came back to our family, but before she came back, uh, she dropped off her kid at this random family's house. Korean family. So I went into foster care. She was adopted immediately into a, a, a Korean family from birth. And so for her whole life, she grew up thinking that's her family. She was just told about it uh, December. I'm sorry, a few years ago and reached out to me in December. And um, it was tough. It was tough to hear that. But that's not the toughest part. Uh, when we started talking some more, uh, I found out through her, um, I asked her, do you know where our mom is? And she said he, she, she passed away. Um, and she passed away. And so obviously as a kid, I always knew that my mom abandoned our, our family. But somewhere deep down in my heart, I don't talk about it all the time, I figured that I would see her someday. I was somehow going to see her. I was going to meet her. My, my wife was going to meet her one day, my kids. And so that dream is shattered. I will never be able to do that. I'll never be able to introduce my kids to my mom. Um, so, you know, it's been a, a tough... Um, Couple, a couple of months for me. Um, and the crazy part is, um, her Facebook picture, she looks exactly like my mom. She's a splitting image of my mom. And she's coming to my wedding, so that's going to be really cool. Um, and the crazy part is, it's the timing, because I'm about to get married here in a couple months, and you know, I find out about the story. Um, but it's been an emotional past few months. Um, but it's, it's been difficult being in the light, I'll tell you guys. Uh, but the good thing is I chose to be transparent, and I shared it with the people around me. Um, and I can't tell you guys how much of a blessing that's been uh, to share it with people I know uh, who care about me. And, um, and God has been able to comfort me through his love. Um, through people, um, something that I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't get open and I wasn't transparent. Um, so I want to encourage you guys today. You know, no matter what uh, kind of thing you have going on, whether it's sin, secret sin, um, whether it's just something like this that is just so deep, don't keep it in. Get open about it. Uh, God will bless your willingness to step into the light. You know, to me, uh, verse 19 to 21, Jesus came to the world to illuminate the, uh, the world of, with light. You know, either you choose to be comfortable and not share, or you do. But I guarantee you guys, if you share, God will, God will bless it. And he has for me. Uh, and so guys, I have an application for you guys. Uh, disciples, are you guys still willing to let Christ's light illuminate your life? James chapter 5, verse 16 says, you know, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Are you guys getting open about whatever it is? Come on. You know, getting open about sin, sharing your struggles with other disciples so that they can pray and keep you accountable. Yeah. You know, the better challenge is to take it to the next level is to share with someone that's going to hold you accountable. Yeah. That's actually going to check up on you. Amen? Yeah. 
Um, and maybe right now, Satan is telling you right now, you know what that is, but you don't want to share. That's exactly what you have to share. If you feel like there's something in your heart that I have not gotten open with, whether it's sin, emotionally, uh, whatever it is, that's what the Spirit's prompting you to do. You know, if you're one of our guests today, sorry if this was all just intense all of a sudden, uh, but we don't want to scare you guys away. You know, if you were wondering, what is this all about being, uh, getting open and talking about your sin? You know, I encourage you guys to study the Bible with somebody uh, that brought you out. You know, we would love to open the Bible, open up our lives, and really talk about what God talks about in, in being in the light. Amen? And so we're going to go ahead and transition to communion. And so we started off about with Jesus, and we're going to end off with Jesus. Uh, I didn't put the passage up there, but it's going to be coming from John chapter 19, verse 38 through 42. John chapter 19, verse 38 through 42. It says, The burial of Jesus. Later, Joseph Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission, he came back and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices stripped of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs at the place where Jesus was crucified. There was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And so why do I share this story for communion? Well, Nicodemus has only popped up in the scriptures three times. The time that I just showed you, another time when Jesus was about to get crucified, and the third time was after Jesus died. You know, after Jesus died, Nicodemus and Joseph buried Jesus. The scripture doesn't show if, if Nicodemus actually became a disciple. But you don't just bury someone unless there's a connection, right? Yeah. You wouldn't just go to a random person and bury them. I hope not. Um, Nicodemus was so profoundly impacted, impacted by his first encounter with Jesus that he had to come down and prepare the customary embalming spices in preparing Jesus' body for burial. Like Nicodemus, we who've repented have been baptized into Jesus, haven't we? And as disciples, we've been impacted by him. So therefore, we want to take the time to remember him right now. You know, think about the time when you first encountered Jesus. When was that? Go back to that time right now. When did Jesus reveal salvation to you? Think about your conversion. Was it during the cross study? Was it when you're watching Passion of the Christ? You know, this is why we continue to go to church. You know, this is why we take the bread. This is why we take the communion. It's to remember Jesus, even after he died, until we see him. Amen? So let's pray, and then we're going to go ahead and take our communion. Uh, God, thank you so much again for this time and uh, this, this time of study. God, I pray that as we take the, uh, the bread that represents your body and the blood that represents your blood, that we remember, that we just remember you, um, God. And I pray that as we come to the foot of the cross right now, that we can let go of anything that's hindering us, uh, whether that's our pride, our sin, uh, our fears, God, whatever it is, that we can just let all of that go. Uh, God, that you want us to just not bring anything to the cross. And God, I pray that we can uh, continue to just step into the light, uh, God, because that's where you want us to be. 
And so, Father, I pray that as we meditate, we can think about how you first helped us, how you first converted us. And I pray that we can have this time with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 